greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Great Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with John McMahon. Now, John is the author of the series that stars P.T. Marsh, a police detective in a small fictional Georgia town. Uh, his first book, The Good Detective, came out a couple of years ago, followed by The Evil Men Do and A Good Kill, which just came out uh, last year. I've actually been looking forward to talking to John for some time, and uh, we had a nice little schedule switch up that allowed us to get together a lot sooner than uh, expected. So had a great conversation with him. I think you will enjoy it too. He talks about his process, his background, and certainly about his books. Uh, there's something there for readers and for authors alike. But before we get to John, I do need to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something that you would like, you can check out their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. All right. Well, let's get into my conversation with author John McMahon. Well, hey, John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great. Well, it's just started. Let's not vote on it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I meant your podcast. I actually oh. uh, listened to the Matt Coyle one the other day, so oh, I hope okay. I don't stink up the joint. That one was really good. Yeah, that was definitely uh, the guest making it happen. Uh, that he was a cool guy. We've actually crossed paths. We were talking about it before we went on mic, uh, most likely at the VoucherCon in Dallas. I think we were on a panel together, but uh, I'd have to go back and look, and I'm too lazy to do that at the moment. I think I think we were on the sort of uh, cops and people who write cops, one of those sort of panels. Well, I'm headed to Left Coast Crime here in a couple of weeks, less than that now. And guess what panel I'm on at Left Coast Crime in Albuquerque? Are you on the cops and uh, people who like <laughs> cops battle? <laughs> yes, typecasting. It's like uh, it's, uh, it's it's like that actor who who's always being typecast. It's the same. Well, I've been on the Crimes in Small Towns panel, uh, and in so many uh, places, I've just kind of stepped into it at some point. Yeah, it's kind of a layup, I think, for the people who are putting the panels together. And uh, I'm just glad to be on any panel, so I'm not going to complain. Absolutely. I want to talk about your your P.T. Marsh books, uh, which, uh, as you alluded to, do take place in a small Georgia town. Um, but I usually ask the guest a little bit about themselves before we dive into their work. And um, your bio on your website is a little scant on, on information about yourself. Uh, but uh, Detective Google uh, was able to help me out a little bit and, uh, you know, discovered that you were an advertiser. But more than that, you, you've actually won a, a Golden Clio Award, which is like the Oscars of advertising, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, so I still work my day job, you know, primary way I pay my uh, mortgage, feed my family, and still enjoy it. So I'm kind of balancing both things at the same time. So I write after hours and on weekends. So uh, yeah, my job is, I'm what's called an ECD, an executive creative director at an ad agency. So I oversee a design team, and then I serve as a writer on other people's stuff. So I, you know, will crank out lots of taglines and scripts and such. So um, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. And um, 
this has been writing has been kind of a nice surprise along the way. Um, advertising, you're really a short story writer in effect. I mean, a copy line is a is a story in a few words, and a TV spot is a story in you know twenty or thirty seconds. So you know, it's it's been good. And I think for me, um, people ask sometimes like, how does this dovetail and everything? Are you are you really good at advertising your own books? The answer is no. Um, <laughs> I, w- I wish, I wish it translated into like some social media acumen. Uh, but, um, I think the biggest parallel has really been about editing, um, is that in advertising you're, you're constantly working on other people's stuff and other people are editing your writing. So it's a collaborative process and it's an iterative process that gets things further along. So I think that's the biggest sort of tie in when I hit the editing process, at Putnam, I think I was very probably a lot more used to it than than other people were. So you helped hold a pillow over your darlings' heads when they went to kill them, <laughs> rather than screaming in horror like most authors do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I've been in a workshop for years. Um, uh, you know, I was in a workshop for ten years with uh, with an author and a handful of writers, uh, and we've all had some publishing journeys at the same time go on during that workshop. So we're you know, when you're in a workshop for 10 years, you get pretty brutal with people. So mm-hmm. um, I've been I've been used to that process for a long time. Well, it makes your writing better when someone can be that, as you put it, uh, brutal. Uh, but it, it comes from a place of, of love or at least uh, camaraderie and fellowship when, when they do that. Yeah. And I mean, these people... Uh, are good friends and they, you know, we're, we're bringing 10 pages at a time every Saturday. So at some point, you know, you start to get to know their books. Someone's writing a book for two years in a workshop. You'll be like, wait a minute, didn't Dr. Sue do this uh, back Mm -hmm. in like act one? They're like, oh my God, I totally forgot that. You know, sometimes (laughs) you as the writer will forget your own book, which is, you know, uh, has happened to me before people ask about a book on a panel and I'm like, did I write that chapter? I don't remember (laughs) that exactly. I moved on to the next thing. Uh, the, the, the first book that you had published was the good detective. Um, and that is set in a small Georgia town. Now, are you from Georgia originally, or did you just like that setting? Yeah, no, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not a native. So I started traveling to Georgia, uh, in my twenties and in my thirties again, uh, as part of advertising and, um, a lot of times when we'd be doing a shoot on a, you do the prep on like a Thursday or Friday, you do the shoot the following week, you could fly all the way home and then fly back. And I would just stay there and write the weekend. And I sort of fell in love with, you know, the area of Northern Georgia and really, really loved it. And um, just started, you know, uh, spending a lot of time there. And when I was writing The Good Detective, I realized that the that crime P.T. Marsh is looking into would trail back to the time of the Civil War. So I knew at that point it's going to be set in the South. And this was an area I'd become a little more comfortable with. But, you know, I'm, I'm still not I've spent a lot of time there, but I'm still not a native. Um, strangely, people from Georgia email me and say, like, you must be from this area. You must be from if not from Alabama, from Tennessee. There's no way. So it, it, that always feels good. But, you know, I have to do a lot of work to get there. I have friends there. I research a lot. You know, as a writer, you're sort of always researching. Um, it's something I didn't know heading into writing that how much, uh, you know, when people think research, they think it's really reading. You're just doing so much reading about <laughs> things. And a lot of times, you know, it's for your comfort 
Like there is a scene in my second book in the evil men do that's in a junkyard. And I think by the time the final, the final version of that scene gets done, there's three sentences that came out or maybe even two sentences that came out of that research. But I had to know like, how does it work when you bring in a car and smash a car and what do they pay per ton? And that whole mechanism of that industry, you know, and, and, and eventually you write the first version, there's three pages and you workshop it. And someone's like, dude, I feel like I'm in a documentary about junkyards. You're like, okay, I went too strong there. And then you have to, you know, pull it back and pull it back in the final version has two sentences, but you know, it, it has the credibility and that's why you do it. People will email you and they'll email you the same thing. Um, I, I think they might think like they're the only one that found it, but 10 people <laughs> probably have emailed me the difference between wrought iron and cast iron. And you think, <laughs> oh my God, it's it's one word. And I'm writing something now. And I was like, literally the other day I was writing it. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to search my email for the words cast iron or wrought iron and find what that lady told me. Um, you know, one's furniture, one's a pan and like how to get that right. So uh, it's interesting. I'm, I mean, readers are awesome. And you know, they will, they will say something like that. And if they say it in any, any possible way, that's critical. When I say something back, they're like, Oh my God, the book's awesome. I loved it. Um, i sorry. I was just, I think they think they're sending an email to the publisher or something when they send uh-huh. it to my email, it's like throwing, you know, a coin into the well. And then the well says, thank you. The well talks back. It's so <laughs> unexpected for them. That's what I, you want. You want the detailed readers. Yeah, and be grateful you didn't mess up trains, guns, or you know, clocks, or some of the other things that people are uh, not just passionate about, but uh, maybe a little crazy about. Yeah, and I I have almost done that multiple times. I do have a gun guy I send the stuff to, but I also have done in my advertising J job. I've done a lot of auto advertising, so people have an expectation that auto details will be perfect. And I had something where I. Uh, someone used a key fob and they were used a key fob a little before the introduction of the key fob on a car that could not have had it. And I, I probably got 10 emails on that. So um, yeah. Yeah. People are, are, are great sending those comments. I I love getting those comments because you're able to actually email someone back and say, you know, what else did you think? What'd you like? What'd you dislike? And you get a real dialogue with someone. And then three months later, they're like, Hey, when's the new book coming out? You know? And so (laughs) I remember as a, 13 year old, I think sending a letter. So dating myself quite a bit here, not an email um, to my favorite author at the time, who was a science fiction and fantasy author named Piers Anthony and completely blown away by the fact that I got a letter back and it wasn't a secretary typed letter, but this was a real, like it was a three by five card that was typed on the backside, sent as a postcard with strikeouts and fixes without any whiteout or anything, just mistakes or whatever, just kept typing. And it was personal. I mean, he addressed what I wrote in the, in the letter to him and talked about his next book coming out, which of course I went, you know, grabbed her at the library as soon as it did. But that, that connection, that author reader connection is, can be so powerful and, and since you spend so much time with someone's book, you feel like you know them, but you don't, but then you kind of do. <laughs> it's kind of a neat sort of dynamic. That, and as you described it, 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 it works from the author's side as well. Yeah. And I started putting my email in the acknowledgements um, in the second book. And I've had writers who have like 20 books out that I said this to, and they're like, what a brilliant idea. Like, what does that do? I'm like, oh, people send you emails all the time. I just, 
said, hey, send me an email. Let me know what you think. If there's something wrong, let me know. Um, and you do start meeting people. And I did it because I'm one of those people, when I finish a book, I read the acknowledgments because in a way, it's the moment where the writer gets to be the writer. The writer has to be someone else during the book. And then the acknowledgments, they get to say, they get to thank people, but they also get to have their own tone that might be slightly different. That's their voice. Um, so that's that's great. I don't think I've ever, uh, I don't know that I've ever written a letter in, I, uh, you know, I've, there's, there's people I definitely uh, have had like a writing crush on for years, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that I'm like, oh, if they ever put me on a panel with that guy, I'm going to be a, a dork, you know, I'm going to be <laughs> such a fanboy. I've had the opportunity to interview a couple of people that are in that category for me on the podcast, and it is difficult not to fanboy out for sure. Let's talk about those books a little bit, though, because um, the series stands at three right now, and it starts with The Good Detective, and I had mentioned earlier it's set in a, a small town in Georgia. Now, Mason Falls is fictional, correct? Correct, yeah. Which gives you a lot of latitude when it comes to if you need a you know convenience store at this corner, then suddenly one can spring up and be there. Yeah, and people have, you know, I think after the first book, there were people who were saying, is it here? Is it there? They would say like, it's in this area of Georgia. I know where this is. And that's kind of cool. And then the second book comes along, the same person will say, I was wrong. It's a little bit of this town. It's a little bit of this town, you know? <laughs> so that's always, uh, that's always kind of fun. But um, yeah, I've had to, you know, there's a bunch of stuff you have to, <laughs> you have to do that nobody teaches you. One of them is get really, you know, consistent around developing the fictional town. Like it's fictional, but you're held to that standard the minute there's a second book and a third book. So um, somewhere back here in my back house, so I, on the wall, you can't see it over there, but I have a, I have a map. So my daughter, I would scrabble one out on a piece of paper. And every time there's a new location, I'd say, okay, it's off of this area. And I had to research what are the untaken freeway numbers, um, highway numbers, like rural highways in Georgia, you know, okay, there's no, there's no 902 through 909. So I'm going to take all those and build Mason Falls around that sort of state highway system. But then, you, you know, you, you say he went west on 903 um, and, um, you know, you have to know where 903 goes. Right. So eventually my daughter for Christmas a couple of years took my my crappy little map and did a giant poster board and drew out all because I just kept scribbling, scribbling, you know, here's where the gun store is. Here's where the convenience store is. Here's where downtown is. Here's where his father-in-law's house is. So she made like a really beautiful map of, uh, of you know, Mason Falls. So, um, yeah, so that give you kind of a jumping off point. Um, so The Good Detective is the first of three books. Um, like you said, it's set in northern Georgia. Um, it follows the story of, of P.T. Marsh. And where the series starts is that P.T. stumbles across the biggest case of his career. The main problem is he may have killed the number one suspect the night before. Yeah, so he was drunk and can't recall. So the story opens with him having an altercation and then immediately it's the next morning and his partner is driving him over and you see like it's the same neighborhood, you see it's the same street and you realize, oh my God, his fingerprints are going to be all over the crime scene. His DNA too. Yeah, exactly. So he's trying to figure out, did he do it? While his partner and others are trying to figure out who did it. Um, and more to the point, the guy is, is not a great guy who is the scene of the murder. Um, 
But more to the point, um, there's a young boy who is lynched, and they believe that their key to knowing what happened is this guy who's been killed. So he's sort of wondering, did I kill the killer? Did I sort of screw up everything that would have helped me and others solve this thing? That's an extra layer, a really cool nuance. The idea of him trying to figure out if he's the guy, it kind of harkens back to a movie that I really liked uh, from the 1980s, uh, 87 actually. It was a Kevin Costner movie called No Way Out. Have you ever seen that? You know, it's funny. Like I was in a workshop writing something different and someone recommended that to me and I wrote it down. Um, and I had it on a post-it here, stuck to the wall. I don't see it anymore, but um, I don't think I've ever seen that story or that movie. Uh, it, it differs a, a bit, you know, obviously. And, and it, it's not like a, a one-for-one sort of uh, similarity, but the idea of the protagonist is investigating himself potentially um, definitely carries over. Um, and I watched it again. I don't know. It's been a few years now and parts of it don't hold up as well. It's got some very eighties things in it, <laughs> but, but for the most part, it does, uh, for the most part, it holds up really well. I think, uh, now that you've, you know, already written the good detective and you've never seen it before, knowing is going to accuse you of plagiarism or anything. Now would be the time to watch it. Right. And see if you, if you think the comparison has any, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to, take a note actually right now so otherwise i'll forget so the good detective led to uh, was very well received and led to uh the evil men do which has uh i would say an even more difficult case for pt to to work on and and, and before you tell me about that one i guess now would be a good time to mention that uh he he has a partner he doesn't work alone yeah, absolutely. So PT's partner is, her name is Remy Morgan. Um, and in some ways, Remy is sort of like, she's like PT version two um, to me, um, you know, and, and they're both going on completely different journeys. To me, that was probably, I would say the the most fun discovery of the story, because I think some things were known about the series and some things were unknown. Um, but Remy is going on a journey from being really naive to being pragmatic, kind of the journey a lot of us do as a professional in whatever our career is. Um, and, you know, PT is trying to repair himself and go on uh, a journey from being kind of antagonistic and self-endangering to being healthier. So it's interesting to see them sort of cross. Um, I think in... In book two, she she kind of became my favorite character. You know, um, she's righteous enough, uh, but eventually by book three, she sort of starts seeing the world in a way that's gray and unexpected. Um, so she's, you know, she came up in a different sort of subculture. Um, she's obviously female, a strong African-American woman, kind of an unwavering sense of right and wrong in the beginning of the series. And again, that'll change and a fierce loyalty to PT. But then, you know, you kind of want to test that out too. Um, so in towards the end of book two, that sort of gets tested out where she starts thinking, this is pretty unhealthy for me to be with this guy, to work with him, to like to take this in every day. So, um, you know, there's some questions at the end of book two, whether that's going to continue or not. Um, yeah. So I love Remy. 
And what exactly is going on in The Evil Men Do? So The Evil Men Do kind of has two storylines. Um, um, one of them is there's a there's a little girl who's being mysteriously targeted. And you know, I won't say more than that, but we don't know why. And that sort of develops throughout the story. Um, and then there's a case. The main case is there's a real estate magnet who has been killed in a very odd way. And uh, in the beginning... Uh, it might even be an accidental. It might it might be an accident, not a homicide. And so they have to sort of determine that. And once they figure that out, the list of people who did it gets even stranger. Um, and eventually, some of that informs a longer story. So there's storylines. So this this set of three books is sort of written as a trilogy, and it was sort of pitched that way from the beginning to Putnam. Um, so. Um, you know, there's there's certain sort of storylines that that all get sort of cinched up by the end of the third, which is a good kill. And uh, but some of those, um, this is sort of that midpoint where they start to sort of things dovetail in unexpected ways, and you end the second book thinking there's more here. And um, so, and and I started learning, you know, about writing a series writing the second book, you know, there's some things I kind of knew, but there's a lot of things that you have to discover. And then there's some things that you want to keep. um, You don't want to hold yourself accountable to because, you know, um, it takes away some of the surprises for me, but also you want to leave things vague enough where you can write your way out of something. One of the things I realized writing a series is you're held accountable for certain things. Once you put them down in paper, you cannot change them. And then you have to figure out creative ways to work with that. Well, you already alluded to the third book, A Good Kill, uh, in which you tie up some some series arcs, some series threads. But that book has its own self-contained story as well. And just can we start with the title, A Good Kill? You know, this is terminology, uh, I guess, sort of police terminology or a variation of the idea of a good shoot. Uh, being a uh, police-involved uh, shooting that was justified by the circumstances, a use of force that was justified, a clean shoot, a good shoot. You, you know, these are terms that I've heard people use for them. Uh, is, is a good kill a play on that at all, or is it something else entirely? No, it's totally a play on that. So um, so the first book came out, um, you know, I had a, just a horror, I forget what even what it is. I, I, I didn't forget, but I want to say I, I'm so bad at titling books. Um, but my editor came back and said, what about the good detective one day? I was like, oh, I love that. And um, so we came out with the next one. It was called One Good Deed. And then, you know, they're starting to do the pre-publishing and David Baldacci comes out with a book called One Good Deed. So <laughs> we were going to do this sort of good thing. And uh, so um, we end up saying, okay, what if we do sort of an alternating good and evil thing? So, um, so we did that with you know the good detective and evil men do, and then it was like, okay, we're going to have something with good in it. Um, book three starts with uh, an active shooter situation, and um, at a school. So, um, so it is a play on the words you're referring to, um, and uh, it uh, there's. There's kind of uh, some antagonists in these books, a series of antagonists that are local and then regional to this area. And 
the idea is with a good kill is that this character of Governor Monroe, who's the you know governor of Georgia, these are him and P.T. March are sort of trading favors back and forth across these three books. And the idea was like, okay, the governor is going to call in. P.T. owes him and you don't want to owe him a favor. So he's going to call something in just at a time when it feels like P.T. is starting to get healthy. Um, you know, and it will involve this, this shooter situation. So, um, yeah, so an, a good kill. And I really felt like, I feel like I kind of figured out how to write a book. Um, you know, by the time I got to book three, I know that, that, that always feels funny when people, people say things like that, but I started realizing, you know, one that it's a series of magic tricks, you know, you're telling someone to look over here and you're doing something over here. And then it's a series of movements to me, less like acts and more like music. And each one kind of has their own rising and falling tension and gives time for the reader to breathe and catch up. So there is sort of an opening movement that involves this, this uh, school shooting and the ramifications of it. And what comes out of it is, uh, you know, is that PT thinks I can't go any further being like this. And he has to come clean with his partner and I think then the two of them make a plan on how they're going to deal with the situation. Um, so to me, that is my best work of the three. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. I think, uh, you know, it's like kids, right? And pancakes, they just, the first couple, you screw them up. And then the third one, hopefully, is a masterpiece. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's, that's so sad to hear. I have two kids. So <laughs> well, get busy, my friend. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of getting busy and not in the way I was just referring, um, <laughs> what's next on the horizon? Uh, will there be more uh, P.T. Marsh books? Are you branching off into a different direction? What's what's up next? Yeah, so I've been working on something for um, probably about 18 months now. I began a new project, so it's not set in Georgia. It's not a P.T. Marsh and Remy Morgan book. I would call it a like a high-concept FBI ensemble. Um, and, uh, I tried to take a break, you know, uh, from the series and just say like, you know, I'm one of those people who believes you're a certain level of writer about halfway through a book. And then hopefully you're improving and improving. And when you start something new, then you notice that you notice that leap forward into the next level. So I tried to like take a break and think a little more purposefully about picking content, like picking the topic, like what it is I want to write. And then also I think I took for granted how well I knew Mason Falls and I was uh, turning out those books one a year for three years and realized it's going to take me a little longer to come up with a new world. So where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm working through edits. It's actually, um, I was about to say it's due last week. You know that, you know that story. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not due in the future. It's due in the past. Um, so I'm working through some edits and uh, it's actually probably will go out Friday to my agent. And, uh, if he thinks it's ready, we'll go out, uh, this month and it feels like a bigger book. It feels like a step up, but you know, you never know what the market and others, you know, how this is, Frank, you're working solo by yourself, you know, uh, in your little box and clacking away and it's good just when the first person reads it and it feels like you have something mm -hmm. so i'm just at that stage where uh the agent read a draft and i got a lot of notes and then i've been working on them for two months 
Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have something uh, out there soon. All right. Well, folks, the author is John McMahon of the P.T. Marsh series set in the fictional Georgia small town of Mason Falls. Uh, the, the Good Detective, The Evil Men Do, and the most recent one, A Good Kill. Uh, John, I want to tell you, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Frank. It's been awesome. All right, folks, there you go. John McMahon, cool guy, uh, great series of books. I'm looking forward to diving into them and seeing what PT March and his, uh, cohorts are up to there in Mason Falls, Georgia. All right. A quick Zafiro update for you. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, March 30th, 2022, then tomorrow, my new Spokompton novel, All the Pieces Fall, the third book in that series, will be available, finally. So if you pre-ordered it, thank you. If you didn't, it's now available. It is also available in paperback if that's your preferred reading method. Uh, this is the third of what will be at least six books in this series, and I'm pretty excited about uh, continuing to write in this world. Uh, also dropping tomorrow is a box set, a digital box set, containing all three of the uh, books so far in this series at their own game, in the cut, and all the pieces fall. Uh, individually, those would be about 15 bucks. Uh, the box set is $9.99, so right away you're you're saving money there. So pick up one or the other if they interest you, and thanks for following me into the world of Spokompton. Moving from that into a different world, that of a grifter's song, uh, just a day after the new Spokompton book drops, the new episode of a grifter's song, uh, the fourth episode of the season, Concrete and Cocaine by Vincent Zandri will be available uh, from Down and Out Books. So check that out, Concrete and Cocaine, episode 25 of a grifter's song written by Vincent Zandri. Uh, the last thing I wanted to tell you is that uh, next week I am headed to Albuquerque, New Mexico for the Left Coast Crime Conference. Uh, this will be the first one to be held in person since the Left Early Coast Crime in San Diego back in 2020. So two full years uh, since the last one, and I'm really looking forward to it. If you're going to be there, uh, please say hello or uh, dare I say even lift a glass. Uh, if you're looking for me there, I am going to be at a couple of events. I have a panel on Thursday the 7th at 1.15 called Writing Police Procedurals, Just the Facts or Just the Clichés. Uh, it is being moderated by my friend James Latwell, and I have two other friends that are going to be on the panel with me, Dana King and TK Thorne. Every one of them has been on this podcast, so if you're a longtime listener, you are familiar with them at least a little bit. Uh, great authors, each in their own stead, and it should be a fun panel. Uh, Thursday at 1.15 on the 7th of April. Kicking things off right at Left Coast Crime. The next night, uh, Friday night, I will be part of an event uh, with Holly West and Colin Conway called On the Lamb with the Grifters. It is basically a one-hour meet and greet at a nearby restaurant slash bar uh, in which uh, the first round is on us. So if you're going to Left Coast Crime and you want a free drink, uh, 5 o'clock to six o'clock 
on Friday night with uh, Colin Conway, Holly West, and myself. Details are on the Left Coast Crime website under Author Connections. Uh, it is being sponsored by a Down and Out Books, so it should be a lot of fun. Up to 10 people can sign up. So I hope to see you there as well as for that conference. It's one of my favorite conferences. All right. I want to say thanks to John for not only coming on the show and being a great guest, for, but for his uh, flexibility in uh, pushing up our interview date and being on the show so much sooner than originally planned. Uh, he and his publicists were great about that, and I do appreciate it. Check out his books. Uh, usually I tell you who the next guest is, but we've had a little bit of a shuffling going on here. And uh, at present, it could be any of uh, three different people. So all I can tell you for certain is thanks to you, the listener, for being here, as always. Uh, and of course, thanks to Down Out Books for sponsoring it so it can happen. I will talk to you next week. Until that time, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you gotta be in the wrong place to write crime.